Okay, this is a joke or something, right? We're not supposed to be here. Well, if you're playing Brenda Walsh on Beverly Hills 90210, then you're in the right spot. So you're a smartass. <laughs> I'm sure you'll all learn to call me much worse. Tori, can't your father afford, like, a set on an actual studio lot? What am I supposed to do? Anyway, I think it's fun just to be doing this wherever we are. Yeah, that's the spirit, Tori. Hello, everybody. This is Again With This, Beverly Hills 90210 Edition Special, the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 Edition Story Edition. <laughs> and now your hosts, Tara Ariano and Sarah D. Bunting. Before we get into this very special episode, Dave, do you have any announcements? Yes. Uh, you can buy an ad on this very program, again, with this Beverly Hills 90210 edition. You can go to Be- uh, beverlyhills.com. <laughs> you can go to previously.tv slash ads, and there's a form there that gives you all the prices, all your options, whether you want to give us audio, whether you want us to create audio for you. And I do believe we are going to have our first ad soon. Somebody just hey. bought an ad today. So hooray, making Exciting. money Ad buyer. Yeah. yeah. And if you haven't heard our ads before, you can check out Extra Hot Great. They're, uh, you know, kind of fun, short. They're not these big, uh, you know, five minute long audible.com ads you <laughs> yeah. get in other places. I got to so. tell you every single thing you need to know about Squarespace. Yeah. Unless exactly. you ask Milk us to. If, if you are Squarespace, we, we say, will. But Ixnay. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so to it. Mean round place. Uh, the unauthorized Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero story, a Lifetime movie. Yep. The next in the series of terrible recreations, brought to you by the city of Toronto. Um, I'm not even sure this Vancouver? is Toronto. It's no, it's definitely not Vancouver. It's, it's something like Brampton. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's Ooh. somewhere. We'll get to it, but it's somewhere on Lake Ontario. That's, uh, that's Grimsby, Ontario. My favorite <laughs> metaphorical place that is actually real. Where one of my sister's ex-boyfriends is from. Yes, Grimsby. Could be Grimsby, maybe. Uh, anyway, yes. The, Bever- the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Tara and Dave. Um, unlike the other recent unauthorized 90s show X stories on Lifetime, this one we actually got a screener for. That was not the case with the f- unauthorized Full House story, which came out last August, I want to say, or September. Um, And the unauthorized Melrose Play story, which premieres as this podcast drops one week from today. We have not gotten a screener for that one yet, and obviously not Full House either. But for some reason, this one they thought either they needed to hype or it was so great they were super duper proud of it. Whatever the reason, I'm not questioning it because we got a screener and I'm super happy. What did you think, overall? Um, I was especially given the um quality uh-huh. uh of the of you know other product of this type um <laughs> i forget what uh network was responsible for that hideous britney murphy thing that uh John oh that Ray was Wilson lifetime I, okay <laughs> Hi, lifetime. after that it really is like you're sort of under the dome spectrum <laughs> But it's like, well, it's not as bad as Under the Dome. Like, well, Mm -hmm. but it's still horrible. Um, This was quite a bit better than I was expecting. Um, It still wasn't good, but it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Very watchable. It is watchable. So let's let's go through it. We'll we'll do it in our usual way as we do with um, with 90210 episodes on the assumption that a lot of people are probably going (laughs) to way more that listen to our podcast are going to. Um, only listen to this podcast and not actually watch the movie. So we'll uh, we'll take you through blow by blow. And do we have clips? Oh yeah, we got clips. So we open um, Indianapolis in quotation marks, <laughs> 1992. Um, two boys who kind of look, I guess, like Luke Perry and Jason Priestley, in that they're dressed in really bad 90s fashions and they have stupid hair. Um, are being mo- rolled through a mall in a garbage cart, and I have in my notes. <laughs> JP is way too ugly, which I went back and revised, and then I re-revised it when I did the visual aids for this. Dave has a comment. Yeah, in what context are they being rolled in the garbage? They've thing? come to the mall for a for an appearance. I see. And there are screaming mobs of oh, girls. They're being Beatlemania. Got it. Yes. Got it. This is not a flashback to them. In humble origins. In no, 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 no. It's a flash forward. Working on the farm. 
Correct. We're about to be three years Their rocket three had three skidded earlier. through the farm and they were raised by mom, pa, Kent. <laughs> that, that is not the case. I have confusing things. Yeah, you are. So, so yeah. Max Lloyd-Jones plays Jason Priestley slash Brandon Walsh in this movie. He is previously seen by you possibly as Christopher in Lifetime's Flowers in the Attic movie. Um, where he seemed much cuter. In this, it sort of went back and forth. It really depended on what angle they got him on because all of my problems with no, Jason... No, it didn't, all right. <laughs> all right, fine. All my problems no, with didn't. Jason Priestley and Brandon Walsh aside, he is uh, he was definitely very cute at the time. Like, what, when the show was in its heyday, Jason Priestley was cute. This is empirically true, I feel. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the extended time that we've spent with his braying, sort of, in <laughs> retrospect. Like, I was totally team Brandon back then and thought he was cute, even though he was a foot shorter than me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. This it, kid it's is. It's all a- about the personality. This kid is like one of those Machi Chi, like, set, uh, tertiary boy band looking kids. And you're like, no. Yeah. I see where they're going and he is short, but, and he's sort of bright faced and whatever, but yeah, he's, he's got a little bit of a Simeon thing going on in the, in the face, which is kind of unfortunate for Jason Priestley. The other thing that we should, I'll, I'll bring this up now. Cause I'm sure it's going to come up later in the, in, in the, uh, as we go through it, but is it's impossible for me to watch these unauthorized movies without thinking who was actually like who from the real production was involved and trying to make themselves look good. <laughs> Cause you know, Dustin diamond, obviously his book was the basis for the unauthorized saved by the bell story. So he got a, a much more complimentary edit than I think he would have under other circumstances. But did it seem to you like, for example, Tori spelling obviously has a show on lifetime. Now she, you know, she has, <laughs> unfortunately story storytelling with uh, with dean um so you would think that maybe she had some kind of a hand in this but it's hard to tell because i feel like each of them gets a moment where they get to shine even when they're mostly a shithead including shannon doherty did you feel like there was you know maybe someone behind the scenes from the cast that had something to do with this or no um no okay. not really <laughs> All right, moving on. So uh, back in 1989, uh, we are introduced to Aaron Spelling, who is played by Dan Castellaneta, better known as Homer Simpson's voice. And he is the biggest name in this production, which should tell you everything you need to know. (laughs) Um, He's having a meeting with a couple of executives from the Fox network who somehow end up being the executives for the entire run of the show as we see it in this movie, which unlikely. Um, And are they are they boyfriends with each other? I don't (laughs) maybe they're definitely uh, they seem chummy. It's hard to tell. And they kind of wanted the whole movie to be about. them like preparing for these meetings and sort of their car talk on the way home but it wasn't so anyway moving on yeah in this scene especially in the in the opening scene it seems like they're setting up a bunch of comedy that these two guys are going to do later and then it never really pays off like they do they they echo each other's gestures when they're grandiosely gesturing about what's going to happen at this new network fox but then it doesn't really ever come up again uh, anyway, they're talking about the new Charlie's Angels, with Aaron, which Aaron Spelling says he will absolutely not do without Tay Leone. Hilarious. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's also the exposition that um, this is the first time in 30 years that Aaron Spelling has, an, or, or 20 or something, I already forget, who cares, that in, in some span of decades that he hasn't had a show on the air and he thinks the town is laughing at him and blah, blah, blah. Um, so... Uh, he has to hear from these executives that, in fact, Fox and uh, Barry Diller, who was the president of it at the time, are not interested in the new Charlie's Angels, but they have another idea, and we'll hear that in clip number two. And what does my friend Barry suggest is innovative? Aliens, robot cops, paranormal private investigators? Teenagers. Teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> what is with that voice? I don't know. It's like he's doing some vaudeville character or something. I don't really know what Aaron Spelling sounded like. Mm. Do you, Sarah? Is this like... Uh, I have watched... I feel like I've watched enough like E! True Hollywood stories that mm. this wasn't like bothersomely different, but he is doing that like... The same thing that Iris was doing. Yeah, yeah. That it's like, what is that like Boston Brahmin... <laughs> yeah. Joe Kennedy told me, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. So this is a preposterous idea. Aaron Spelling passes, and then he goes home to Don Mills in the biggest mansion they can find to be Spelling (laughs) Mansion. Um, He's he's talking to Barry on the phone where Barry is still trying to sell him on this. And then Aaron looks out the window and sees a couple of girls poolside, and of course, it's his daughter Tori and some other friend of hers who leaves before he goes outside. 
Tori, I have in my notes in quotation marks and all caps, looks nothing like Tori. You have to see her in the visual aids. It's the very first one. She looks nothing like Tori Spelling. She looks way more like Jenny Garth, although not as much as the girl who's playing Jenny Garth in this movie. But it's it's very weird casting on this girl. She's also not a really good actor. Well, but how do you even get like who looks like the Spellings? Yeah. Nobody except the Spellings. Like they're. They're like that froggy face. Like, how do you how do you cast for that? I, I mean, that wasn't too bothersome to me. Yeah. Here here is what's bothersome, though. They start to talk and she has the Canadianist accent ever, as I also have in my notes. So let's hear a little bit of that in clip number three. You see anything you like? No, not really. Every show you make is for adults. That's my audience, adults. I know, but. There's a lot of cool young actors around who never get the chance to do anything good. I'm guessing you're one of these cool young actors. I'm really good, Dad. At what? Very funny (laughs) at acting. Darling, if you could play 28 years old, I would find something for you in a second. No, but that's the thing, Dad. I don't want you to find me something. I want to go out and audition for it, and I want to be right for it. Someday, okay? I promise. I'm not going to get my shot if you keep making these kinds of shows. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot with an editorial opinion <laughs> on that. You know, I didn't really hear the Canadian until she uh, said, said out. Uh, yeah, there was a. I a, could hear it but, a lot. On, she said but and but. and on lot, lot and yeah. shot were very. Yeah, and they Canadian. have and there's like a ton of those words, and then there's an around. And yeah. guys, like go back and use some synonyms that. Dad, if you don't give me a job, I'm gonna go to Degrassi. <laughs> we'll get we'll get something there going. When I drive back from Ottawa, does anyone want some Timbets? Like. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, get used to that. It's yeah. happening everywhere. Yeah. So cut to one of these other cool actors. After this speech, Aaron Spelling gets back on the sh- on the phone because, you know, he's got an idea that maybe she's right. So we get to see what every other major cast member was doing at the time. The Luke Perry, I would say, is passable. I mean, it's all on a we're grading on a curve here. He was OK, although he looks more like a Canadian Ben Wishaw to me. It would be really great if yes. they could. Um, somehow cast Josh Dumel now as now, Luke Perry. As, yeah, like as like whatever he is, he's forty two or something like that. Just because yeah. you need somebody with all those uh, brow wrinkles <laughs> to really make it work. <laughs> well, I guess the origin story of Luke Perry's brow wrinkles is that he was out in the sun a lot because he's working on a road crew, <laughs> and uh, there's talk of you know acting isn't respectable and blah blah blah. Someone asked him if he's married, if he's ever met Sharon Stone in his acting jobs, which like she was not anyone in 1989. So weird reference. Uh, but then he gets offered a job to be the foreman, but he can't take that and still be going out, you know, to auditions during the day. So he's got something to decide. I wonder what he's going to choose. Moving on. Uh, Jenny Garth is out at lunch with her agent. She is the one who looks the most like the real Jenny Garth. And she even actually sounds like her. Yeah, the, I was going to say the voice. She's got she, the voice. It's, it's really a nice piece of business throughout mm-hmm. from her. Yeah, and there's a there's a shot later where, spoiler alert, she cries and she, I've got it in the visual aids too, but she like holds her wrist up to her nose in the exact way that Jenny Garth would when she cried on the show, which is like, this girl put some work into this and I respect what she did. Yeah, good job. Um, yeah, so she, her agent is saying that she's, She's getting offered a job on this musical high school show called Hull High, and she's dubious about it, and rightly so, because that one, it did happen, but it did not last more than one season, as I recall. Cut to, oh, poor Gabrielle Carter, who <laughs> looks like, kind of like a busted Jenny Slate, actually, um, but she's in New York with her agent. I would have gone with Jennifer Grey, but mm. okay. Yeah, either she's like right on the line between the two of those, which Gabrielle Carteris kind of is too, so not bad. Um, but she's getting told that she's either too old or too young for everything her rep has for her. And she wants to go out for pilot season. Her agent is like, no, you're too old. Yeah. Give up. Hey, mutton. That's for lambs. That was harsh. Kind of. But and, true. But true. And then we're back with uh, Jason Priestley, who at this point still has his ape drape. Uh, he's literally carrying a box of balls into his apartment. His which what? We get it. Ape drape. Is that like his... It's a mullet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, right. did, I did not coin that. Yeah, I will, no, I'm just, not taking credit for it. <laughs> never heard of it. Just a, that's a phrase. Uh-huh. So um, <laughs> his roommate, who looks more like Jason Priestley, actually, than Jason Priestley does. But anyway, their third roommate apparently is Brad Pitt. <laughs> and we hear what's going on with that in clip number four. I have a script delivery for... Yeah, Jason Priestley. This is me. No, actually, it's for Brad Pitt. Pitt's not home. 
Come to think of it, he's barely ever home these days. I'll take it. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Let's see what he's got. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> What's that? No clue, dude. Sounds like a chick flick. And the wire and I auditioning for it. You should be. You're definitely as pretty as Pitt. That's uh. very true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> oh, my clothes nope. fell off. <laughs> exactly I would be. I would be interested to know. Uh, I failed to look this up, but um, in our next episode, which is uh, Cousin Bobby Comes to Visit, uh, <laughs> Cousin Bobby is played by an uh, actor named, I believe, Jason Curry, mm-hmm. Justin Curry, something like that. He was their roommate. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, or he was Brad Pitt's roommate at some point, which if Brad Pitt still had roommates, they must have been. And he's from Vancouver. Like, I think they all knew each other and were roommates, oh. so I would be interested to know if this guy is credited as that actor huh. in the scene, because it should be him. Well, I'd love to tell you, but um, as of yesterday, when I tried <laughs> to look up this project on the IMDb, there was a page for it, and the only people that were listed were Samantha Monroe, who plays Brenda, and Adam Corson, who plays Darren Starr, and that's it. No one else, like, this is still just a stub. Like, it's airing in, as we record this in two days. What the hell? Anyway. Hmm. <sighs> so to, then we uh, cut back to um, Spelling Mansion where we're given to understand that apparently Tori Spelling just like handpicked all of the actors who were going to play all of the cast. And soon enough, we're getting a chemistry read for um, <laughs> from Shannon Doherty and Jason Priestley. And it goes pretty much how you'd think, judging by how the show ended up in clip number five. Brandon, come on. We're going to be late for our first West Beverly party. Brandon, there's um, no... Sorry to interrupt, Shannon. You don't need to stand so close to Jason. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Sure. No problem. Just start at the top. Sorry. Brandon, come on. We're going to be late for our first West Beverly party. Brandon, there's no rush, okay? Drifting closer to him. Since when are you supposed to be on time for a party? So you want to play it fashionably? Oh, sorry to interrupt again. You guys are doing great. This is Darren Starr, the creator of the show. Hey. Hi, guys. I just want to remind you again that you're siblings. <laughs> if you could oh, just... Yeah, 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 great. Thanks. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Did you want to pick Let's up? continue. Yeah. Brent, how you get into that party? That girl Kelly, right? Yeah, she's picking me up with a bunch of other girls. If you don't want to drive, you can sit on my lap or something. <laughs> I don't want to cramp your style. Quite the family dynamic. We are very close. At the point where she says you can sit on my lap, and someone opens their script to be like, is that even in there? Because <laughs> they're so handsy with each other. Uh, this is of interest to probably about like three people that are listening. But that music in the background is like 95% the same music from the original Ski Safari app <laughs> on iOS. <laughs> The whistling and sort of the jangly stuff. Yeah. If anybody plays that, they're like, where's that from? I swear to God, it's it's almost exactly the same. And that's one to grow on. (laughs) Anyway, this is our first exposure to Shannon Doherty, as plays by Samantha Monroe, who I mentioned. If you, that name is familiar, you're a nerd because she was on Degrassi, The Next Generation. Um, A cup like three or four seasons ago, maybe, she played Anya, who was a big nerd. She dated Sav and she was into LARPing and now she's playing Shannon Doherty, which is kind of hilarious. But you liked her in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I thought her line delivery was really good. Yeah, she's funny. Um, then we see Luke Perry coming in to read for Steve Sanders, which surprise kind of a mismatch. Um, he's got his sleeve rolled up, sleeves rolled up on his giant short sleeve shirt, like a douche. And then we cut to some casting office where Tori Spelling has come in as Tori Mitchell, um, to read for Kelly. Her outfit is hilarious. It's like this matching blouse and like cuffed shorts ensemble. It's in the visual aids. And even though the legend of her getting cast on the show is that she did sign up with a fake name so no one would know that she was Tori Spelling's or uh, Aaron Spelling's daughter, there's a shot where we can see the casting director writes to her assistant or partner or whatever that her, what her real name is. So obviously she knew like all of these scenes are taking previous to this are taking place at Spelling Manson, Mansion. So presumably this woman knows and always knew who Tori was, but whatever. Moving on. Um <laughs> Ian Ziering looks like uh, when he finally gets cast, when we see him for the first time at the first uh, table read for the pilot script. 
as I said to Sarah, he looks like the kid from Big before he turns into Tom Hanks with like yellow dye job. And I said he looks like a uh, aborted uh, vat clone of T.J. Miller. Yeah, kind of. His face is like a little too small for his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. You're absolutely right. That like all his features are clustered on like twenty percent of his face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, the, guy. <laughs> the Brian Austin Green is. Sarah thinks the most good-looking guy in the cast is that actor, I do. Sarah. Perhaps because, in my opinion, he looks like he could be the son of Kevin Durand so much that I looked up Kevin Durand to find out if he had a teenage son because Kevin Durand is Canadian, but apparently not. Uh, but they really, really look alike. And um, so this is the first meeting between Brandon and Steve or Jason and Ian in clip number six. So you're uh, Ian, right? Ian. Cool, man. Jason, so uh, what's with the bake sale crap? No idea. Hey, can we get some of the grown-up baskets with the good stuff? I think you and I are going to get along. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was, of course, ending on a windmill high five. I assume I didn't need to tell you that. Hey, I found that music I was talking about. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's really close. And then wow. there's whistling. I like in it. that music. There's whistling <laughs> in it too. That game is really good, by the way. There's Ski Safari Two just came out, but Ski Safari One, uh, I can uh, heartily recommend it. Ski Safari is not a sponsor of this podcast, but if <laughs> but anyone if from yeah, Ski Safari, yeah. Is <laughs> uh, anyway, I uh, hear Michael McDonald really loves that game. <laughs> Ski Safari. <laughs> Um, so the girls, meanwhile, are across the room slavering over how good-looking Jason Priestley is. And uh, almost immediately, uh, a divide splits a, splits the cast apart between old and young. And we hear it in clip number seven. Looks like the kitties found the snack table. <laughs> I don't want to tie them over till din-din. <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Tori, so be nice. Do you think they're discussing their favorite Smurf? Nah, probably their favorite new kid on the block. They're so old. This it's is really Tori sad. and Brian now. I heard the blonde guy is like 27 or something. What do you think they're talking about? I don't know. Their favorite Golden Girls episode. Totally. <laughs> like how much they all love Bob Hope. <laughs> I'm not convinced that teenagers even at this point would know who Bob Pope even is. Although I guess they're in L.A. So everything is named after him. Maybe they would. I feel like everybody knew who Bob Hope was. I, I guess. Know. At that point, he was still doing specials. You're right. I retract my statement. So uh, then it's time for everyone to go to the table read. And Shannon makes a big damn deal about how she wants to sit next to Jason and makes everyone feel awkward. And then um, we get a literal sad trombone when everyone shows up to the facility where they're shooting the pilot. Um, it's shared by a porn production company and a bunch of them show up in a convertible like in their trampy. So when you say sad trombone, is yes. that some sort of porn thing? No, it's like a literal sad oh, trombone phew. sound effect. Okay. Um, so we heard at the up, <laughs> up top that uh, the, the, um, the place is a shithole and um, Shannon is a bitch immediately. There's a whole thing where they go through the, who's in what order at the call sheet. She's at the top. And at this point, there's still no Dylan. Uh, and then we get a sh- montage of shooting this and that. The Darren Star guy is really not as cute as the real Darren Star. Darren Star should be very hurt with the casting of this other dude. Uh, Brian Austin Green makes fun of his wardrobe, gives Tori a mixtape because he's really into music and dancing. Uh, and then there's a there's a screening. Everyone leaves it very dispirited. How dispirited? Let's find out in clip number eight. Wait a minute. You just shot a pilot for a network television show and you're applying for a hostess position? Why? Because I just saw it. Burn. That was Gabrielle yeah. Carteris hedging her bets. Um, and meanwhile, Darren Starr, the creator of the show, is similarly pessimistic in conversation with Aaron Spelling. He thinks it's missing something big, and he thinks he knows what in clip number nine. We have to save this show. Got it? Yes. Okay, so what do we do? It needs an edge. Everyone is so damn polished. The show needs some balls. I agree. Maybe these kids are just too nice and civil. Brandon Walsh is like Generation X's George Bailey. (laughs) What we need is a bad boy. (laughs) <laughs> and you picked that guy. Yeah. I also love the Here's character. Here's how you know he's bad. He's smoking in the audition. Yeah. 
And he shows up still all grubby from his job, which like they called him on a payphone or something, apparently, because it's 1989 or 90 or whatever. Um, so he uh, shows up all grimy, smokes in the audition. Casting lady has a total wide on for him. So obviously he gets cast. Um, <clears throat> Aaron Spelling fights for him with the the network claiming that he's a total hot commodity which is apparently a total lie and um offers to pay for luke perry to be added to the cast out of his own pocket because he so believes in him um and then he shows up on the set and uh the casting lady's not the only one with a wide on for him as we hear in clip number 10 hey everyone this is luke he's trouble hey man how's it going good good Hey, I realize nobody likes the new kid. I'm the interloper crashing your party. No, we could definitely use some fresh blood. I'm Shannon. She's number one on the call sheet, as you probably guessed. Yeah, that's right. I guess I should stay on your good side, then. You can certainly try. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, at this point, they've only shot one episode that we know of, so it's. I feel like it's a little bit early for Shannon to have gotten this kind of diva reputation, but on the other hand, I suppose they have to speed through this exposition pretty quickly. Well, and she may have had it before mm. that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how from Little House on the Prairie <laughs> and Our House with Wilford Brimley, <laughs> but you got to have a big personality to, you know... Hold up against the demands of the diabetes, or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <clears throat> and also, uh, yeah, I mean, they they have to start planting the seeds for how much birth she's going to get, like almost immediately. But anyway, he gives her <clears throat> Luke Perry gives her a long last look, and Jason Priestley's like, "Careful!" And there's this like comedy bit where Ian Ziering tricks Jenny Garth into like going somewhere to rehearse some kiss, which did not occur in season one or possibly ever, as I can recall. But whatever, they get busted by everyone else. Uh, and then the show premieres 13 episodes in, they're 92nd in the ratings. Um, they're up against Cheers, uh, which is, you know, rough. That was the number one show at the time. Uh, and there's mention of big episodes that are coming up, which we've already covered on this podcast the AIDS episode, the slumber party. Uh, so Darren begs for more of a chance, like a few more episodes to show what the show can really do. They get three. <clears throat> and then we're in the editing bay with Darren Starr and this editor who's worked on a bunch of other can- canceled shows. So here's where the uh, the unauthorized part of it gets kind of hilarious because clearly the only people that are going to be watching this movie probably are people that watch 90210, which is like, you know, everyone our age really, but they can't use any real stuff from the show. So it's got to be like this off brand, like (laughs) cover of the episode. Non-union Mexican equivalent. Exactly. So we hear a little bit of the dialogue from what is obviously supposed to be the slumber party. So it is, but it isn't. And we, but she's outside, but she's outside. This is in the visual aids too. They're out on the lawn, but like when you hear the speech, it's clearly is supposed to be reminding us of that. So let's, let's hear clip 11. And he's like, come on, Kelly, you'll be my girlfriend. We'll be a couple. And I believed him. After we went back to where everyone was hanging out. And he never said another word to me. I just would, I wish I could talk to whoever wrote this about like the challenge of writing a speech is like, you know, like I said, it's like a cover. Like it's a, it's a paraphrase of the thing that we It's like rewriting the press release that they probably cut out. Like he didn't even bring a blanket. It was like, he didn't even put a potholder shit. Let's just cut it. Right. But yeah, just to make sure that there's no, there's no uh, intimation that they're actually ripping off the real scene. As Sarah said, they are outside. Um, <clears throat> so Darren Starr watches this whole scene and then he gets teared up at Jenny Garth's performance and he's so upset because he's sure kids will watch it if they can just find it. They need divine intervention. Oh, what could possibly happen? Maybe the first Iraq war. Um, all of the other networks suspend commercial programming. Uh, we get to see Barry Diller in his office, which I'm pretty sure is an actual working bank branch, judging by what the set looks like. Uh, but anyway, um, Fox's response, because at this point they don't have a news division, uh, is that they're showing all their originals to compete with the news coverage because people are going to want relief, is the theory. And it turns out to be true. And then we get Barry saying, would it kill Fox to get a news division? Like, haha. 
So that actually goes well, except there are problems on the set, which we hear in clip number 12. Okay, how come Jenny and Tori get to wear Gucci and Prada and I'm stuck looking like I work at the Mall of America? (laughs) Yes, it's very funny. What's going on? Shannon hates her clothes. She thinks they're too Midwest. Midwest would be an improvement. This is like deep south. Brenda's from Minnesota. She's not going to have the same clothes as Kelly and Donna. Certainly not at the beginning. Shannon, I think you, well, I mean Brenda, look really pretty in those clothes. Thank you, Kat. No offense, so, but your style and clothing kind of reminds me of my mother's. <laughs> and then we get to see the guys Yikes. trying on, on their wardrobe as well. Um, in the visual aids, you will see Brian Austin Green of the movie in a jacket that clearly is nothing David Silver actually wore because it fits him. Um, but the Steve outfit is pretty good. It's the orangest like blouse ever tucked into white pants. Oh God, it's the best. <laughs> so I wish the, I mean it's the worst. It is. Also, while they're doing this, um, Luke Perry is in overalls with one strap undone because obviously. And uh, when Ayn puts his arms down by his side in this outfit, he says he looks like a creamsicle, which he does. Um, and then, uh, there's an incident where they're shooting a scene of Dylan and Brenda making out in what is really a terrible approximation of the Walsh living room. It looks like the corner of a hotel room. Um, but Luke Perry goes for Shannon Doherty's boob and, um, they get in trouble because he's not allowed to do that. And it's such an incident that Aaron Spelling actually has to get called to the set to tell them all what the limitations are. This might actually explain, sorry to interrupt. Please. This might actually explain, you know how I like could not let go the blocking in the pilot where um, Jason, the lawyer, yeah. was like weirdly running his hands up Shannon Doherty's oh, sides and like into her pits. Yes. And I just realized while you were talking, like this is probably because he would have been like, you know, mauling the girls. Yeah. But standards of practices was like, no. You're right. That's a, you're, that's a very good point. Um, it's still weird though there's other ways to do that come on there is like just show them from the yeah just show them from the neck up or something um but anyway (laughs) there's some there's some comedy in this where luke perry says i can't help it that that's just where the hand wants to go and shannon is okay with it and we find out why at the end of the everyone keep your hands off each other meeting in clip 13 let's just wrap this up so everyone understands and is on the same page (laughs) above the waist off the breast. Repeat. Above the waist, off the breast. Perfect. Now don't forget this, as it's clear you're all getting to know each other a little more intimately on screen. <laughs> on screen? <laughs> what, what did that mean, what Jason said? On screen? Apparently, the making out hasn't just been going on in front of the camera. Is that so? Who's making out with who? Everyone's making out with everyone. <laughs> I love that first AD so Me much. Me too. He's he's such a hero. He's the best. He's over. It's like Canadian all of it. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> he, <is. laughs> he totally is. Um, and yeah, that's that's everyone's making out with everyone. Like he doesn't care. And then this or, guy, or Canadian. We'll call him Bob. Uh, Paul Jahaki. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this kicks us into a montage of really everyone making out with everyone. As I have in my notes, they're all fucking. Um, it's really every combination of guy and girl. Um, and it ends with uh, Sh- Shannon and Jason making out until Darren has to come and like physically put his hands on their forehead and pull them apart. Yeah, that was awesome. That is awesome. Boink. It's in the visual aids. Uh, and then we see a Chiron for Winter Dance Season 1 Finale lies. It's the Spring Dance. It's not the Season 1 Finale, but whatever. They're not wearing the dress. No, no one is wearing the right outfit at all. Um, they're close, but they're not. Like, they're just the wrong color or whatever. And it um, also looks like they may be... I mean, we keep bringing up that every place they're shooting looks like somewhere else like Mm -hmm. a bank branch and this is the point in my notes that i put i couldn't figure out what i meant at first i watched this a few days ago and i put kid twist do you got did you guys watch the sting no okay there's a scene in the sting where he like just pretends that he's there to paint the bank 
manager's office. Yeah. And then he pretends he's the bank manager. It's all part of the big store con. Okay. So that must have been what I meant. Okay. This looked like they were just doing guerrilla shooting in like someone else's wedding scene and someone else's movie. You're right. Except it's not. I mean, at least in the in the show, it looked like a hotel ballroom, even though I'm sure it wasn't like this looks like a school gym. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, throughout, it's like as budge as the real thing was. For sure. This is like. Even budger. Yeah. Anyway, I think what is doubling for this for the studio or whatever the facility where they're shooting, like all the backstage stuff is supposed to look crappy at first, and then they're still shooting there after it. They get all cleaned up after season two, and like it still looks crappy. But I think it must be like a decommissioned school or something because they also keep having meetings in this room that's like the marked as the cafeteria, which like never was a set on nine hundred two one zero ever. Like anytime people are eating, they're either out on the lawn at school. At the Walsh House or at the Peach Pit, that's it. Like, I feel like we never saw the cafeteria no, past the pilot. No, we never saw the calf. Yeah, where they had, there's a thing in the pilot where they're, like, getting their food outside. But that, like, that also never comes up again, as I recall. Or at least it hasn't since then. Anyway, enough of our fact-checking. So the network guys are there. They take forever to say they want to make new episodes for the summer, which is unprecedented. There's going to be 30 episodes per season, maybe more. Um, Darren Starr immediately gets the idea of like doing a flamingo kid kind of thing with with Brandon, which a lot of people mentioned that in the Beach Club episodes on the, in our thread. So you guys are smart. That's exactly what it was supposed to be. Um, and then Tori comes in in her wrong comedy dress for the school dance. It's 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 turquoise, really bright turquoise instead of red. And uh, she's uh, waylays Darren Starr to tell him her great ideas for her character in clip 14. Hey, I think I have a few ideas for Donna. Just to be sort of like Lucy O'Ball was, like funny and silly, you know? Okay, well, what would you have in mind? Which one? This one. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I just really think Donna should be funny. Like, that should be her thing. And flighty, but not dumb. Darren, can I show my new dance moves? Brian, absolutely. Just give me two seconds. I'm going to find you, okay? Tori, I'm loving these ideas, but there's nothing in the script right now. How about just point a camera on me over there and let it run? I'll just do stuff. Stuff? Yeah, stuff. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, stuff. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it is funny, but yeah, I mean, we you can see in the visual aids for that episode's spring dance, not winter dance, that uh, that is basically what happened, <laughs> including the extra uh, glaring at her while she's just doing stuff randomly while the camera runs. So good to know the origin story for that idiocy. <laughs> Anywho, then, of course, the other thing that everyone remembers from the spring slash winter dance episode is Dylan and Brenda getting it on. <laughs> so we see them in their hotel room scene again. Her dress is is wrong but I get the idea it's like instead of black with a white bow it's like black but similar cut it's got like a heart cut out or something on the back her hair is styled correctly it's definitely Brenda's like updo and there's a boom mic in the shot hilariously but you actually see the boom guy but I still think amazing I still think that's an homage to the boom mic in so many episodes um she calls it has to be it I feel like it, it there's no way it can't be so she she gets annoyed by how Luke is making out with her and calls cut. Um, we get exposition that she was late for work today, but Darren says she learned the rewrite in 90 seconds. And um, apparently she like gets learned scripts super fast. So I guess that's her superpower and why they kept her around, even though she was a problem question mark. Anyway, um, there's more business of, you know, shooting this episode. There's a fake scene of the virginity reveal where Kelly is also in a totally other dress, which is red and not the same as the one that Brenda's wearing, but whatever. As soon as they call cut, the two of them fall out of character immediately so that we know they are not friends. <laughs> and then it's the end of season one. Uh, the show is a hit. The shitty set gets cleaned up. Uh, Luke Perry is now fully in the cast and he's number four on the call sheet. And Shannon is still first and late again. Um, and then Aaron Spelling gets a call in the middle of the night. It's a bad problem. It's not Shannon. Uh, the network is threatening to pull the plug because advertising advertisers are fleeing and we hear what the fix is from our two network guys in clip 15. Every major advertiser we have is running for the hills. Tell them, Bill. Yeah, it's true. Parents are calling the affiliates. They're enraged. Enraged? Yeah. 
enraged? Why? Because we just told their teen daughters to go have sex. That's why. What did we do wrong? A high school girl in America lost her virginity. And she bragged about it. She showed no remorse. Aaron, please understand. A teenage girl in America can lose her virginity on TV. She just can't enjoy it. Look, we are a brand new network. That means that we already have credibility problems with our advertisers. But the show is a hit. Not without advertisers, it isn't. We are airing in 83 different countries right now. And with our summer episode plans, this is an absolute disaster. Well, what are you asking us to do, guys? We can't put toothpaste back in the tube. We're not asking, Aaron. <laughs> Placate our sponsors. Apologize to America. Apologize to America? How? Brenda's got to stop having sex with Dylan, and she needs to feel confusion and remorse for doing so in the first place. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Thank so- you. You like can, putting toothpaste <laughs> back in the tube. So you can hear from that clip that for some well, reason... Flatbush. They, they shot this like partly outside this glass-walled conference room and then back inside like why? It's so unnecessary. And this looks even more like a bank branch than the Barry Diller office set does. Anyway, it's really stupid. Looks cheap and terrible. Um, Aaron asks for a minute and takes Darren into the bathroom where Darren tries to uh, take a principled stance on this. But Aaron wants to be in the Darren Star business because he's pretty sure he's got a future and they want to do many new shows together. But they're just going to have to um, give in on this first. And as we've been saying for the last like eight episodes of the regular podcast, we all know how this ended up and how little sense it made. Um but then we get to see what Shannon and Luke maybe thought about it in clip 16. Does this make any sense? Not at all. I mean, did you know about this, about Brenda and Dylan breaking up? No. I knew there was going to be a conflict or something. No, but this is ridiculous. See, this is what I'm saying. It just doesn't feel right. Darren, can we talk to you for a second, please? Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, what's up? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, she's right, man. There's just no way that Brenda and Dylan would be breaking up right now. Guys, I know this. You're trying to tell me that Brenda and Dylan are going to stop having sex after just once. I mean, tell him, Shan. Well, I mean, I didn't want Brenda to lose her virginity in the first place, so. Look, guys, I know that this is ridiculous, but we don't have a choice. For now, we have to play ball, okay? All right, man. All right, let's reset. We just have to do it with a straight face. You're on my hair. <laughs> You're on my hair. My hair. Um, Dylan. <laughs> so that confirms what uh, one of the commenters said about Shannon Doherty's attitude toward the storyline at the time. So that's interesting. Apparently that was also uh, made its way to the screenwriter of this movie as well. And then they break up, I guess, and maybe after their complaints, they wrote in one more time at least to have sex because they do have sex in that episode before she dumps him. But anyway, uh, or the one before, I forget. Maybe it's the... Yeah, when they thought they were moving. Yes, that's right. The actual Unless they were just scissoring. Who knows what was going on? (laughs) Right. Um, So then it's their starting to shoot the beach episodes. And please look at the visual aids because, as we said, this definitely was filmed on a lake and not an ocean. So probably not Vancouver because... It's clearly a lake. Like, none of these shots looks like the ocean at all. There's barely any sand. People are, like, standing in it with surfboards, like, no, not, not going to work. Good they luck, look though. freezing, They too. look so, so cold. Where um, exactly in Manitoba are you? <laughs> Um, and then there's a bunch of exposition about award nominations for the show's first season, which both Sarah and I were like, what? But apparently it is true. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That must have been such a thin year. Oh. Well, the TV, you know, this was pre-peak TV. This was pre-HBO like HBO originals. Like, the TV landscape was very different at the time. Even so, uh, they were nominated for Golden Globes, uh, an acting nomination for... Jason Priestley in 95, 93 and 95, and then they were nominated for Best Drama in 92 and 93, uh, which the timeline is off because we're going to be back in 1991 later, but whatever. Um, Shannon is still fighting with the girls about wardrobe, pulls rank, tries to pull rank before there's a some kind of promotional photo shoot, and then it ends with every, the two of them in red, Shannon in front in black with crossed arms looking pissy, which you can see that in the visual aids too. Um... 
And then uh, we get more exposition. They end up number two overall in their time slot. Number one among teens. They almost beat Cheers. And then we are caught up to the uh, scene that opened us up at the beginning. The uh, the girls chasing the boys through um, an autograph signing at a mall. In a garbage can. In a garbage cart. Um <laughs> Then, then they're at Chasen's, which this is in the visual aids too. Chasen's, a real restaurant, does not have a T in it like the word Chasen, which is how whoever wrote that Chiron should feel by this correction. And, oh, uh, yeah. Fucking Luke and, and, and Jason are having burgers when we're meant to understand that Ronald Reagan comes over to introduce himself, <laughs> which it's such a weird detail that like that has to have actually happened. Yeah. Like that must be in Jason Priestley's memoir or something. Is it? You read it, right? Sarah? Um, I don't remember that. Oh. I'm sure it happened. Reagan yeah. would have been living in California by that time. That's true. I'm not sure he was still a public figure. Right. Because of some issues sure um the little teeny imitation that dave cole just did is about a thousand times more convincing <laughs> than the actual guy who i think might be asian wow i think they just went out on the street and was like can anyone pretend can anyone uh fit in this suit and then for, they put some shoe polish in his hair and that was the end of it like for the record what? i was doing a saturday night live impression of ron Reagan. it's the only one i still, know still still randy quaid still yeah yeah. So then after that happens, um, Jason and Luke get kicked out because the mob of girls has tracked them there and they're making a ruckus. Get out of our garbage can. Sars. <laughs> yeah, boys. Uh, that garbage can's big enough for the rest of you, too. Get in there, girls. Would you like Go to some jelly beans? <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Shannon is late for work again. again Everyone's forget. mad. <laughs> Uh, I can't. I can't promise Ronald Reagan won't come. Back. Oh, no. oh no! I wish you would. So now it's Reagan and Michael McDonald. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, uh, hello, it's getting Michael. crowded. I don't I've think we can these your, people. Uh, music and uh, hopefully one day you can uh, perform at my inaugural ball. <laughs> back to nine oh two one oh. What a delightful <laughs> program! Uh, anyway, we're back on the alleged cafeteria set, never seen on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so that a merchandising guy can come. <laughs> oh no. Just keep going. All right, all right. Uh, the merchandising guy has exciting news ish um, in clip 17. Shut up, Dave. Are you ready? Yeah, sorry. No. Huh? I just spoke to a major toy company who will be making 90210 dolls of you guys. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, isn't that great? Of all of us? Uh, that actually remains to be seen. Let me guess. Little girls aren't lining up for the Andrea doll? Well, well the first batch is going to be Brenda, Brandon, Kelly, and Dylan. I and Brian, Gabrielle, I am sure if this first round goes gangbusters, they will be tripping over themselves to make dolls of you guys. Bummer, that, that would have been really cool. It'll happen. If you want mine, you can have it. I don't know what's more embarrassing, having a doll made of me or not having a doll made of me. Uh, weirdly, what they don't say is any mention of Tori Spelling because there was a Donna doll in this run, improbably, because she was not a big character at that point still. Um, and obviously was included because Aaron Spelling was her dad. Dave. I was about to say something really mean, but I'm not going to do it. Go ahead. No. Right. All right, fine. Was it a My Little Pony joke? No, maybe Reagan wants to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reagan's a bastard. Well, I was just wondering, maybe they took the uh, dolls that were a little defective and they just put the <laughs> Donna box on those ones. <laughs> oh, these breasts are too far apart. <laughs> That's the Donna doll. Moving on. What uh, a president. <laughs> Ronnie, how could you? Go eat some jelly beans and think about what you've done. <laughs> oh, boy, sorry. Um... But there are other problems on the set, and uh, after a very canned news report, which in the screener we don't actually get to see, because I assume they added it later, uh, we hear a little bit about how Shannon's bad behavior is getting out to the press, and some more discussion uh, in clip 18. So, Shannon's getting beat up in the press a little, huh? More than a little, Mr. Spelling. They've sold 7,000 copies of this thing called the I Hate Brenda newsletter. Does Shannon know about this I Hate Brenda movement? She does. 
What does she say about it? She says, I hate Brenda too. Well, good for her. And here's an article where she speaks of her love for George Bush and then condemns her fans for confusing her with her character from her show. She has an opinion on everything. I mean, who the heck does she think she is? I guess it's official. Everyone hates Shannon. No, everyone loves to hate Shannon. (laughs) I mean, there is a difference. And shout out to whoever created the I Hate Brenda newsletter because that person basically created the internet before it existed. So way to go. Yep. Um, there's more of a montage of the worst paint job ever in everyone's new spiffed up dressing room, supposedly. And then Shannon is surprised late again and rude to everyone and gets some new cute brunette extra fired. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a fake scene of the conversation that we just heard in the last, I think the last podcast that we did, um, of, uh, Kelly and Brenda talking about letting dylan hit rock bottom and shannon keeps snapping jenny's skirt and they end up stomping outside to have a physical fight uh that actually gets close to blows where they have to be separated ends up with like jenny garth on hood of a car which is actually kind of awesome and if it really did happen that jenny was like let's just go i can't believe this blah 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 i would be really shocked because it seems like shannon doherty would fight extremely dirty and would kick anyone's ass who tried to get in her way. And yeah, Jenny Garth in her memoir, which is okay. It's like well-written, but it's very like California Zen bygonesy. She doesn't, she's like, yeah, Shannon was difficult. Let's put it that way. Like she's just not willing to really go there, which is a pity. Mm -hmm. But I feel like she would have mentioned, like, if that was a notorious thing that happened, she would have at least mentioned it. And even if she were lying, she would have been like, eh, it didn't happen. I don't, Yeah. I think that's really unauthorized because she doesn't mention it. And I don't think Priestley does either. Mm. I'd have to go back and check my work on that. <laughs> that, would be, that would not Just be Just kidding. Well I'm not going to so go back don't. and check. <laughs> obviously. Um, so then, obviously, this is such an issue that it catalyzes this montage of everyone individually going to Aaron Spelling and telling him what a terrible nightmare Shannon is in clip 19. Yes, Luke. Mr. Spelling, I'm officially putting in my request to work with Shannon as infrequently as possible. You're not the first to say this. But, man, it's going critical mass. I'm not kidding. What happened? She's totally irrational. She's completely ill-tempered. She's patently uncooperative. She's basically impossible to deal with. We're mid-season, Luke. What can I do? I don't know. Maybe give Dylan some kind of a a tropical virus that makes coming around, you know, slightly deranged brunettes highly lethal. (laughs) That's not a bad storyline, kid. It'll be fine. I get along with everyone, Mr. Spelling. This is Gabrielle. You know that. Of course. This has been the greatest time of my life, and nothing could ruin it, but... You'd like to speak about a certain cast member. Let me guess. Brian. Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So interestingly, what they keep emphasizing is that the last person to continue defending her was Tori, so that sort of throws into a different light the fact that the two of them got siloed in their own storyline in France soon after all of this happened. Right. Well, I think they were like the ones that were going out to clubs and mm, right. getting in fights at clubs, mm-hmm. which I think we see. We in do. This. Yep. Yeah. Um, so- you know who we never see? Douglas Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not even mentioned. You're right. No. Yeah, he's not not a factor in season no one. Doll, <laughs> no doll. No Canadian <laughs> facsimile. No. Nada. Who is that? Dead Scott. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Exactly, Dave. Exactly. (laughs) So after everyone's uh, finished tattling to Aaron, we cut back to Shannon in her dressing room, sadly gazing at what she's become until Ian shows up with keys and suggests they get out of there and they peel out in what is supposed to be his show convertible, except as you'll see in the visual aids, uh, it does not have an I-8A Ferrari license plate they go to the trouble of getting a california one but then they don't go the extra mile and like get a sticker to put over it with the real one whatever um she acts like she's never been in a convertible before poking her head out the top and whooping and stuff and then he tries to start sense into her in this regrettable exchange clip number 20 
Hey, what the hell is it with you, Shannon? What are you talking about? I'm talking about how you're behaving. How I'm behaving? Are you my dad? Oh, thank God. <laughs> Look, you're acting crazy. You're out of control. You're like a shark. You're like a tornado. You're like a mixture between a shark and a tornado. I don't get it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Clunk. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. I mean, I understand the temptation, but like, just don't. Don't do it. Anyway, um, so she, okay. she knows the world hates her. He says they hate Brenda. She People can be mean and she cries and she's lonely. He gets it. She finally talks him into letting her drive. God knows why. And of course, she gets into an accident. And of course, because this production can't afford to wreck a car, it's the kind of accident where nothing bad actually happens to it, as you, again, will see in the visual aids. <laughs> um, and when our friends, the network suits show up, Ian says he was driving. So I guess this is Ian's moment to be a cool dude. I don't know. Then it's 1992, they're at the Roxbury, the quietest club ever. The entire cast rolls up together to go out and dance or whatever. Jason is looking like an idiot in another vest. Shots are done. Um, the guy they hired to play, Brian Austin Green, cannot dance at all. For whatever problems no, I have with Brian really, Austin Green, he really was a good dancer. So this He is was a good dancer. Unfair. And, I mean, he was not a good rapper. No. But he was a good dancer. Yeah. This really is where the Kevin Durant, this is like if Kevin Durant in character on the strain were trying to dance while drunk. <laughs> Let's all paint. do the fet. Yeah, I know. Let's it's all not, do the fet. Let's all do the fet. <laughs> New impression, Chubby Checkers here. Uh, anyway. Uh, Tara, I believe that was Michael McDonald again. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's actually Little Richard. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Um... Maybe I'm drunk. <laughs> Gabrielle, there's later on, Gabrielle's trying to leave, probably because it's 8.30. I feel you, Gabrielle. Um, Tori makes her do a lap with her around, and when Shannon and Jen- Jenny are left alone awkwardly, they sort of make peace about whatever. Who cares? Doesn't really go anywhere. Shannon can't really explain why she's such a monster. Uh, later on the dance floor, Jason wants to leave because they have an early call time, and so Jenny goes to get Shannon. Uh, and then some guy tries to start shit with Brian Austin Green and then recognizes him and calls him a loser. Uh, Shannon tries to intervene on Brian's behalf. The guy dismisses her. So, of course, as you do, she jumps on his back and starts a brawl. And uh, later she finds out she's getting charged with misdemeanor battery. And uh, it gets worse from there in clip 21. Do you know who you're talking about? Do I know who you are? Yes. You are a big pain in the ass. Everybody thinks that. Ooh, burn. <laughs> Um, after he wanders off, she Shannon's sucks. like, <laughs> yeah, oh. but I love how she's like, eh, whatever. And then says, if I'd known I was going to get charged, I would have actually made a count, <laughs> which is sort of great. Yeah. I kind nice. of love the portrayal of her as like a real bruiser. Cause you know, why not? Um, and then she, the paparazzi are there taking pictures of everything. Tori promises that she will tell her dad what really happened, but then he's getting another late night call. Candy, in quotation marks, is pissed. Whoever they got to play Candy. I mean, whoa. Excuse me. She gets no lines, but she looks nothing like Candy Spelling. Um, And then we get more of a litany of everything that Shannon's doing wrong. She dropped out last minute as an Emmy presenter. Um, The network guys no longer think her leaving the show would hurt it that much. Um... Darren sticks up for her and says the writers love her. They think she's the best. She nails their scripts every time. Uh, Aaron is not sure whether it's a worse idea at this point to keep it or not. And then, you know, no one can really say. So he announces that she stays. And then it's season four. Dun, dun, dun. Shannon's not in her dressing room. Jason Priestley and Luke Perry play with super soakers and a nice nod to whatever. Uh, Luke is in his uh, sleeveless Baja hoodie. Sorry, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was like happy to see it because I was like, someone else feels my pain with this garment. Yep. But then my pain with this <laughs> garment. Yes. Uh, later, everyone is killing time in the parking lot waiting for her. And uh, finally, they have a discussion amongst themselves because she still doesn't show up about whether she should stay. Tori is the last person defending her. Um, but they all agree that if they're going to try and get her fired for realsies, they need to be unanimous. And then she unfortunately shows up at the perfectly wrong time. And we hear this in our final clip. Hey, guys. What's going on? Ooh. 
Look, um, I am really sorry. I've been going through some really hard family stuff at home. My grandma's been in and out. Sorry to hear that, Shannon. What is going on? Everyone wants you out of here, Shannon. What, even you? I thought you were supposed to be my friend. I am your friend. This is Tori, And I'm the only one you've got right now. Do not walk away from me! You're behaving atrociously, Shannon. Now, I suggest you go to wardrobe right now and get ready to shoot. Do you understand? So this is the way it's gonna be? What? You think because you helped me get this job that you can talk to me like that? You better watch your back. Whoa. What do you think the employee handbook says about threatening the boss's daughter? Got a feeling it's something you just don't do. Feeling you're right. Wait, there's an employee handbook? I just left in that last bit. It's Gabrielle and Jason because it's like the kind of stupid non-joke comedy that would make it onto the actual show. Totally. <laughs> and Shannon did say in um, her recent whatever, How to Be a Badass book, which is lamentable, mm. <clears throat> starting with the fact that badass isn't hyphenated. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> that there was a lot of family shit going on. I think her father was extremely poorly. Mm. Um but note that they even changed the family members so that right. she wouldn't sue them. <laughs> hmm. I, I mean, her I, be- I, hospital bed. Ooh. I get that it people have Jenny. problems, and like, especially if you're an actor and like her, you've been an actor since you were like a little kid that you, you know, get into bad habits and think you can get away with shit. But like, being late is such a stupid way to get yourself fired. Like, being on time for shit is not that hard. Sarah, I know you, early girl, feel me on this. Mm, yes, I do. Um, but, you know, not to brag um, in this t- today, notwithstanding, but, like, I get up between 4 and 4.30 most days. Like, it's it's it sucks, but, like, if that's your what you have to do for your job, you just do it. And I'm sure they were not requiring her to get up at 4 to go to makeup. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> My tiny triumph. No, you're the most valuable player. <laughs> oh, so. I see. It's true. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's pretty much that. Uh, we next get like B audio roll of a news report confirming that Shannon will be leaving the show at the end of the season. And then it's the end of the season and Flunkies are loading her car with all her stuff. And there's talk of who's going to replace her. Uh, Darren mentions Saved by the Bell. And then we're in season five and Tiffany Amber Thiessen shows up. And in a nice nod of continuity, it's the same woman who played Tiffany Amber Thiessen in the unauthorized Saved by the Bell story. Oh, so nice. Now I guess we know they exist in the same universe, which I suppose is supposed to be our universe, even though Chasen's is spelled with a T. Um, and <laughs> then uh, <laughs> That's the one thing. Yeah. Like there are infinite universes, so there is a universe where we're exactly the same except Jason's as yeah, a T. That's right. Yeah. Um and uh Jenny shows up, she's kind of rude to Tiffany, and then she goes into Shannon's old office where a different flunky is peeling her name off of her old dressing room door so that we understand Jenny is the new head bitch in town. Um, and then we get a, like a little bit of brief, you know, where they went screams, but like everyone knows where they went because <laughs> they never really went anywhere. And uh, this might be corrected in the real version versus the uh, screener that we saw, but Tiffany Thiessen spelled wrong in the credits. And that's it. That's the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story. Even Lifetime knows no one cares what happened on that show after Shannon Doherty left. And I stand by that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're going to have to find a way. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm making my peace with it. I will. How's that going? Eh, I, st- I still have a long way to go, so it's fine. Needs work? Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought this was like, this was fun. It's, you know, I would probably watch any of these about a, a show that I watch as obsessive, have watched as obsessively as 90210. I'd, I'll probably check out the Melrose Place one, even if we don't get a screener. Even though I'm not as well versed in Melroseana as I am in 90210, obviously. Um, but yeah, as we said at the top, it, it definitely could be worse. I've seen worser ones. The Brittany Murphy one, a particular <laughs> low point in the genre. Yeah, um, this isn't good, but it's not boring. 
No, it's like not it, boring. It gets, it's a little like at the beginning, it's a little like, uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, it moves right along. So yeah. It does. I, I mean, you can hear from what we it. described, we get like a little bit of season one, just a whiff of season two, and then it's season four and then it's over. Like they really cut out a bunch of stuff. So I guess Shannon Doherty was being late for quite a while and then, you know, she got fired and then she was uncharmed. So everything was fine until she got fired from that too. <laughs> Uh, final thoughts before we name our most and least valuable player? No, I think I'm good. All right. Tara. <laughs> right? No. no? The, I would say sure. the most, <laughs> judging by the, the way she's portrayed in this, uh, Tori Spelling might be the most valuable player. Nope. Wrong. Did not just uh, decide who was going to be playing all of the roles, but also like kept Shannon on the show for like probably two seasons longer than she might have under other circumstances. As she's portrayed in the movie. What do you think? Um, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to say the... Um, oh, the first AD? N- yes, actually. <laughs> I was going to say Durand Jr., but... Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, go with the first AD, Paul. You're both wrong. It's uh, Dan Castellaneta's <laughs> it's weird accent. voice work. Yeah. <laughs> it's by far the most enjoyable thing. Dan Hepburn Alaneta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh, it's tough. Least valuable player. I mean, I guess I guess Gabrielle Carteris because she really doesn't get to do anything. I mean, that's that's the problem with being, you know, the person who caused no problems and didn't really have a problem with anybody. And was like thirty two and went yeah. home at eight thirty every night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, President Fronald <laughs> Fragan because <laughs> he's frarable. Fair enough. Can and I go ahead? The garbage can. Oh, the, it's a garbage cart. The Nick. garbage cart. I think we can skip the Kim challenge because Brand- Dylan is not really in here. And uh, that's it. <sighs> Thank you for bearing with us during the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story. Next time we return to your regular, uh, regularly scheduled uh, nightmare of a revisitation of this show when <laughs> the Walsh's cousin rolls into town and causes Brandon to try to cry and pray at the same time. You can hear that and see all the visual aids from this fine episode at Previously.tv. You can follow us at PreviouslyTV on Twitter. You can follow Dave at Glark, my esteemed co-host Tara at Tara Ariano, and I'm at Tomato Nation. See you next time. Ring, 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 ring. Uh, you know what to do. Leave a message <laughs> at the beep aroni. <laughs> Canadian Dylan. <laughs> 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 <laughs>